I am Dr. Mike Prince. I'm the owner and the founder of the Open Mic Broadcast Network, a network that was established in 2002, specializing in community broadcasting, in particular with sports broadcasting. We cover everything from high school, collegiate, even down to Little League, local and regional sports. We have developed a simple yet effective method of broadcasting, fundraising, and marketing that anyone can literally do, regardless of your location throughout the country. We decided to put together a series of lessons and calls to help spread the wealth. We were recognized by the state of Texas for media excellence of our work that we've produced, and we're continuing growing and developing partnerships with various institutions and teams throughout the community. We want to take this opportunity to share with you and give you some insights on how we've developed what we've developed. It doesn't have to be sports. Whatever your niche is, whatever your format is, this layout can help you achieve and establish some goals. You can literally, and I'm not exaggerating, ladies and gentlemen, you can literally make a, a decent little income. I'm not saying you're going to get rich or anything like that overnight. The process has taken us a while through patience, through due diligence. We've been able to establish ourselves as a legitimate, recognized media source throughout our local area and abroad, and it has really paid off. And we want to share these tidbits with you. We have an email that you can reach us at. It is p3talk at gmail.com. It's the letter P, the number three, talk all together at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at OBN underscore radio. You can even like us on Instagram at OBN radio. We are going to keep these series coming, develop. You may have a question or two, and you even might want some personal guidance. We are here to help you out. You can check out our websites at ktorradio.com. You can also check us out at obnradio.com. Once again, my name is Dr. Mike Prince with the Open Mic Broadcast Network. Thank you so much. I'm also known as the radio guy. So we look forward to hearing from you real soon. We'll see you on the other side. Welcome to the Open Mic Academy. Discovering or developing your niche. One thing you have to understand and realize about internet broadcasting, podcasting, radio show, however you want to identify it, you must develop your niche. Not someone else's niche, not who you think or what people want. You have to develop something that really reveals who you are, what you're interested in, and it will flow through your broadcast. The first thing that you got to remember is that you must be yourself. You can't try to be someone else because people will hear right through that, people will see right through that, and it will turn them off as far as being faithful listeners. So the key is remember to be yourself. And you need to broadcast things that you are passionate about. There are topics that you may think no one else is interested in, but I guarantee you that if you have an interest, someone else has an interest in what you are broadcasting. Do it. Don't be afraid. You have to think outside the box. You got to be able to do and create episodes on topics from a different point of view. If you are a bubbling, outgoing personality, then let that flow 
your broadcast. If you are one of those conservative, not too over the top type individuals, that also can come through your broadcast. Think outside of the box. You got to remember, there are thousands and even I would dare to say millions of different podcasts and broadcasts that are floating around, and everyone has an audience. So you need to develop what your niche is going to be. If your niche is going to be a podcast about cotton balls, then you'd be the best cotton ball podcaster that you could ever be. But whatever it is, you make sure that you develop and discover your niche. Another thing that you need to remember that local is good. One problem that is going on with radio right now today, as we know it, is that radio has a lot of syndication going on, and it's lost its local touch. So if you can develop something that would get the locals involved in your broadcast, your podcast, then that's one step in the right direction of gaining an audience that's going to be tuning in and be worthwhile of you and your broadcast, however you want to go and deliver that to the people abroad. And then being different is good. Dare to be different. And as you continue to listen to these series of the Radio Training Guide, we're going to tell you and teach you about marketing and other things down the road. So you stay focused, keep doing what you do, and remember, developing your niche starts with a thought. You think it, you can make it happen. This will bring us to a conclusion of this segment. Let us now prepare for our next lesson. Now, this particular series is, is always something that I get asked, uh, and they go like, hey, Mike, is it best to go live? Is it go recorded? You know, I want to do all this, but I don't have time to do it live. I always say it really depends on what it is that you're doing to determine that. Yes, live is always good. Live works, but there's nothing wrong with a delayed broadcast. We're going to lay out some of the pros and the cons of doing it either way. I personally use both methods. As a matter of fact, majority of our talk shows that we produce at the Open Mic Broadcast Network, they're more like a delayed broadcast because we'll get into that a little bit later, but most of those delay. But our games that we produce, our sermons that we produce, for the most part, those are live. I say about 80% or what we do here at the Open Mic Broadcast Network is live. But on a given choice, I would choose the way of delayed, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. Now, of course, if you're going to go live, live is happening in real time. As it's unfolding, it's happening, and it's a beautiful thing. Trust me, it's a beautiful thing. But guess what? With that real time comes real risk. Anything. And I do mean anything can go wrong during a live broadcast. And trust me, I've seen it from every angle possible to man. Equipment failure, power failure, people don't show up. I mean, all kinds of things that can go wrong going live. And it's the old saying that the show must go on. So if you do plan to do live episodes, Trust me, have material for material, if that makes any sense to you. Have backup material. Have backup topics that you can talk about on short-term notice. As a matter of fact, we'll talk about this in the preparation section of the series, that when you're, when you're scripting out the flow of your show and how it's going to go and formatting everything, you got to have 
just-in-case topics, especially if you're going live, because anything can happen. When I say anything, I cannot emphasize that enough, that anything can happen. If you go to a delayed broadcast, the first thing that you've done, you've gained control of that entire broadcast. I think we're all guilty of it at times when you'll have some series of going, um, um, or a person might have coughing habits or, or some bad habits that makes real bad for a, a live show. Let's just be honest. However, with the power of doing a delayed broadcast, you can go out and edit out all those little quirky things that doesn't sound good over the airway and get control of that show. And with that, you regain the professionalism through the editing process of a program that you're running through your network. But either one is going to be an effective way of doing it. Personally, when you're doing a live sporting event, you got to let that thing unfold as it happens. Now, what we've done in the past, maybe there were some things that didn't go over as well, or maybe there was some, some dead air for, for whatever ungodly reason there was. You're able to edit that out so when people come back to listen to the, the rebroadcast, it's a steady flow, and you can edit those things down. You can take out halftime reports to shorten the length of the, uh, the programming, which is going to shorten the time of people, and it just makes it cost-efficient, time-efficient for everyone involved. So to answer your question, live or delayed, that's going to be your call. Be blessed. We'll see you on the other side. This will bring us to a conclusion of this segment. Let us now prepare for our next lesson. Today, we're going to be talking about need versus wants for you to have a successful podcast. And a lot of people get caught up. They ask me all the time, well, look, uh, what do I need to get started? And, and, and I want to get this and I want to get that. And, and all that is fine and dandy. But you got to understand the need versus wants. And I'm finding out that when people really don't understand audio, they don't understand how things work, they figure if they go buy the biggest and the baddest things, then they'll have what they need to, to be on top of their game. But that's not the case either. When you understand audio, you understand the process of audio, you could be successful as a podcaster, broadcaster, internet broadcaster, using very minimal resources. And when I say minimal, I do mean minimal. What we're going to do, we're going to, to give you three categories. We're going to have a basic, a moderate, and a complex way of getting what you need versus what you want. And hopefully these can help you out. In your first basic broadcasting equipment, you would need something as simple as a cell phone, simple as a telephone. Yes, it is going to not be as rich as people would get, and, and we'll talk about that in a little bit of detail, and we'll even break it down even more because we're going to have a session talking about understanding bit rates as well. But when you understand that you have to set at least three priorities in order to be a successful podcaster, broadcaster, however you want to be identified. Number one, you got to set some goals. And the first thing is, what is my message and how do I need to get my message out? So, of course, the basic deal would be the telephone. The telephone is going to have what I call compared to the AM sound, but it's still going to be 
a good enough sound, a quality enough sound, a, a clear sound to, to get your message across for the powers that be. Then what I would consider as a moderate setup would be simply incorporating a handheld microphone, a headset microphone into your phone set, enhance and enrich the, the voice, it will control and centralize your voice where it's not getting all the ambience, background noise as you would with a simple uh, speakerphone from your cell phone or a di digital voice recorder. Then you would have what I would call a complex setup. Now, a complex setup would be to incorporate a mixer with some other mics and, and possibly a, a laptop. Or a digital voice recorder to play some spots, some, some some interviews, and this, that, and the other, or incorporate music. That could be more of a complex and a more of an elaborate setup. But the bottom line is, remember, you're going to have to set a goal. The next thing you're going to have to do is set a price. How much, A, do I have? How much can I afford? And how much do I really need? When you understand that, once again, you set those parameters. I can't tell you how to do that, but I can tell you, as the old folks used to say, there is more than one way to choke a dog than on cornbread and water. Never understood what that meant, but I said, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, and went right ahead. So when you understand, you set the goal, you set your costs, and then probably the most important thing of all, how much time do you have as a producer? Do you have the time to give what it's going to take for an hour podcast, for a 30-minute podcast, a 15-minute podcast, or a five-minute podcast? Whatever the case may be, you have to set the time. So remember, your need versus your want. You could want to have the studio sound effects, but all you need is a telephone to get your message across. And as you build your series, as you build your brand, you will continue to add and subtract things that you see as a plus or a negative in you producing and generating your podcast or your internet radio program. This will bring us to a conclusion of this segment. Let us now prepare for our next lesson. We're going to talk to you about scheduling. We've talked to you about how you can do things and set things up, but you now have to have a schedule that will be consistent with your listeners in order to help you gain the listenership, to gain the reputation of being a person that's about the business when you're going to produce your shows. So the first thing you have to decide on, how long is my show going to be? Some people do four-hour shows, some do two-hour shows, some do one-hour shows, but that's really not necessary. You can do a five-minute show, you can do a 10-minute show, a 15-minute show, half an hour show, whatever time length that you decide to do, make sure that the show has the consistency of whatever length it is. You lose listeners, you lose people when you have a show that might be 60 minutes this time, 5 minutes the next time, 26 minutes the next time. you got to have a consistency. If you're going to be promoting a one-hour show, then you could you know, fall in that neighborhood of 56 minutes, 58 minutes. But, you know, even if you go over sometimes an hour and two minutes, that's okay. But it's in that neighborhood of being consistent with the time that you say the length of your show is going to be. So what that does, it conditions your listener. It conditions your listeners to, to understand, okay, 
here's my show. It's an hour show. So they know they're going to prepare an hour. If you're going to be 30 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever the case is going to be, you make sure that the length of your show stays consistent so it builds up the audience anticipation. And that is going to be one of the most important things that you need to remember. Next thing you need to do is wonder and figure out what time would your show be aired? Will my show be live or will it be delayed? Let me be the first one to tell you live shows are awesome. As a matter of fact, at the Open Mic Broadcast Network, I would go out on a limb to say that 80% of the shows we do are live, but you're talking about chaos beyond chaos. There are so many moving parts behind the scene. It could be a catastrophe if you're not equipped and prepared for it. So if you're just beginning, really think about doing a delayed broadcast. That means where you can do your show, and if you have to do some editing or whatnot, you can go in and edit those shows that can be released at a certain time each week, and that way you can build your listening audience up that way as well, and they'll have a consistency. So you have to, to make sure, and it really depends on what you're talking about. If you want to have a morning topic, you can have a noonday topic, an afternoon topic, or even an evening topic, and you can set your show according to that. So you go ahead and make sure you get the length of it, and then you make sure that the time in, in which this is going to be released on a regular basis. I cannot emphasize that much. Consistency will carry you a mighty long way. Then you have to decide how and when will I run my show? Will this be a daily show? Will this be a weekly show? Will this be a bi-weekly show? Will this be a monthly show? Whatever the case may be, you have to decide what you're going to do. Now, I can give you a caution, word of warning. If you're trying to do a four-hour show, even a one-hour show daily, that is a lot of work. It's a lot of prep work. Now, you got to understand, sure, you can open up your microphone, start talking from the top of your head, but then, once again, you're going to lose people, you know, because they're going to hear the, the unreadiness, the ill-preparedness of your production, and it's going to turn people off never to return again. So you don't want to be guilty of doing that. So if, if you're going to do something daily and maybe you're just doing this uh, to see if this is something that you want to do, try a 30-minute show, 15-minute show, or even a 5-minute show. I guarantee you that's going to be challenging enough for you to see, oh, man, this is really a lot. Just preparing something daily, you know, for a 5-minute show takes a lot of work, dedication, and preparation. So you determine what your day is going to be. If it's going to be every day, at 9 a.m., then you go ahead and make sure you do something every day at 9 a.m. You can uh, produce that and have it released at 9 a.m., or you can take a stab at it and go live. Either way, remember, be consistent with your length, be consistent with your time, and be consistent with the day that you release your show. This has been another series from the Radio Guy training series. I am the Radio Guy. I am Dr. Mike Prince. Enjoy the rest of your day. Be blessed, and we'll see you on the other side. This will bring us to a conclusion of this segment. Let us now prepare for our next lesson. Today, we're going to talk about the power of community programming. I've been involved in radio broadcasting since 1987. 
do the math. Long time. And I have seen in a rather rapid progression that radio is missing and losing on something that is a golden opportunity for an internet broadcast. And that is local programming. Everybody is wanting to go big. Everybody wants to be the next big thing. They want to be the syndicated guy that's going out throughout all the major cities throughout the country. And they're forgetting. There's an old saying that I was raised upon the sin. It's hard to be big when little has you by the toe. Now, when you hear that, that could sound like something negative, but it really could turn into something positive if you understand the power of community programming. Regardless of the size of your community, regardless of the financial status of your community, there are good things that are going on that need to be promoted. There are things that need to be highlighted on the solid people that make up the very essence of your community. Why not capture that through your program? I know in the area that we service, there are all kind of festivals, there are all kind of parades, and Open Mic Broadcast Network is there to capture those moments. Well, how do you do this with, with a radio station at a parade? All you're doing is mingling with people, mingling with the locals. You're getting involved, and when you get involved, it always gives you something to gravitate to. It always gives you content that you can keep pushing through your network. And trust me, there is plenty of content. So when you understand that, that going big is not always the answer, how about going big locally? How many local high schools are in your area right now? How many local civic groups are in your community right now? How many churches are within your community right now? How many artists, whether they're musicians, whether they're painters, how many of them are in your community right now? Who better to help promote them than a native son or a native daughter to help them get their message out and in the same time you're giving your community original content. You're giving them things that they can't get anywhere else. You can go up and down any radio station in America today and it's all going to sound the same. Everybody is the next shock jock. Everybody is this, that, and the other programs are syndicated. But what's missing is that local community touch. So keep it local. There are many, many opportunities around you in your community that you can go ahead and make an impact through a, a local internet broadcast service. I know that sounds redundant. It sounds crazy, but trust me, it works. I've been doing this for a long, long time. It works. I've got past the strange looks when people used to look at us and wonder what's going on. Then when they find out, that hey man, that was that was pretty cool. That was that was good. And here's here's another thing about it: the way we have it set up here at the open mic. Not only can you listen to it live, but we have it where we can archive it for you. How powerful is that? And what it does, it gives you credibility. It gives you stability in your community as the voice and the vocal outlet, if you will, for your community. So understand, keep it local. 
Don't underestimate the power of community program because local does matter. This will bring us to a conclusion of this segment. Let us now prepare for our next lesson. Today, we're going to talk to you about the power of internet broadcasting. Some call it iBroadcasting or even iRadio. Internet broadcasting is something that when first introduced in the late 90s, early 2000s, people laughed at and asked, what were you doing, thinking it was insane, and it would never take off the ground. I can recall when I uh, first got Open Mic Broadcast Network established in 2002, believe it or not, and I can remember trying to explain this concept and get people to come on board, and people were looking at me, scratching their heads, talking about, you've lost your mind. You've really lost your mind. And they would kind of chuckle and say, good luck. Here it is now that Internet radio is probably the main source of how people get whatever uh, broadcast they're going to get, whether it's their local team, local news, music, and everything of that nature. And which We're going to do a, a slight comparison on uh, local radio and, and Internet radio broadcasting. And, and be conscious to understand and know that we have a session coming up that is going to address the advantages of low-powered FM and uh, AM stations as well. But to, today we're going to be talking in particular about the pros and cons of Internet broadcasting versus uh, local broadcasting. Now, local broadcasting, I grew up on it. Uh, some of you that are listening have grown up on it, and it has a very, very powerful reach. It is probably the most efficient way uh, an instant way other than tweeting or texting to get information out there. One thing about radio, whether it's local, uh, terrestrial radio, or internet radio for that matter, you can get your message out quickly and efficiently. The local radio station has a couple of hurdles, if you will. No matter how strong the watt on the transmitter tower for that station. You could have a 100,000-watt station. You could have 10,000-watt station. You could have a 1,000-watt station. And you can have a 100-watt station. You can even have a 1-watt station. And the one thing that they all have in common is that there's limited range. Once they hit that range limit, that signal is going to be a struggle to hear and keep. So regardless of how big a tower you have, you do have a cutoff point. That is not the case with Internet radio. You can have your message go the entire world, coast to coast, sea to shiny sea, through an Internet broadcast. Now it is to the point to where Terrestrial radio stations that were laughing at the thought of internet radio stations, I challenge you to go and check at your local stations, wherever you may be listening to this series, and see don't they have an internet presence today. That's how powerful internet broadcasting is, because it is going to be here forever. Now, another challenge when you talk about uh, local radio broadcasting is high, high maintenance. 
brick and mortar. Got to have your all your equipment and maintain and check for the radio station, the transmitter, the oscillators that go bad, and all these kind of things that could go out at any given moment. And that, that takes money. You got to have an engineer to make sure everything is running properly. That costs thousands and thousands of dollars. You got on-air personalities. You have salespeople. You have receptionists. You got, you got the whole caboodle to try to make sure that you are running an efficient radio station on the local level. It's a commitment. It is a serious, serious commitment. When it comes to internet radio, it is a very low maintenance. You can have all the bells and the whistles, but it's still a fraction of what it would cost to run a local terrestrial radio station. So internet broadcasting is very, very powerful. Here's another thing that I challenge you with here in the 21st century. It becomes tougher and tougher to find radios outside your vehicle. I challenge you today to see how many radios you could actually find in your home. Radios are becoming almost as rare as a needle in a haystack. Not that radio is dying. That is not the message at all. But you need to understand that with Internet broadcasting, everybody has a transistor radio, and you probably have one within the next five feet of range from you right now. And that's your cell phone. Almost everyone that's someone has a cell phone. And that cell phone can be used to transmit your message by way of internet radio. When you understand that even the local radio stations, as I mentioned earlier, they want to get their message across. They want to keep up with the 21st century consumer. So they have converted, if you will, over to an internet stream. And that internet stream is feeding whatever's coming from that studio, just like whatever's coming from your internet studio. So understand the power of internet broadcasting. It's easy and accessible for practically everyone in the world. This will bring us to a conclusion of this segment. Let us now prepare for our next lesson. We're going to talk about the power of social media. Social media, just like when internet radio was introduced uh, some years ago, it's here to stay. You might as well get on board and start advancing your brand and advancing your message by way of social media. Now, social media is almost like a neutralizer, if you will, just as internet radio broadcasting is a neutralizer for those who couldn't afford the uh, traditional brick-and-mortar stations. But with the advent of technology and the development of processors, this, that, and the other, you can put together a very efficient package, but yet a powerful package to promote and get your brand, your message out there to the masses. And you can do it at really the power of your thumbs. <laughs> as fast as you can work your thumbs, you can get your message out there. Now, as we mentioned, Social media 
is exactly what it is, fast. It's instantaneously. You put a tweet out there, it's out there. You send a Snapchat out there, you send an Instagram out there, it is out there. It's instant recognition or it could be instant disaster. you got to be careful how you use it. I would categorize social media just as you would a hammer, uh, a credit card, and a telephone. I mean, well, what's, what's the connection with those? Those are all tools that you could use to build things. But if mishandled, it can get you in a world of trouble. The hammer can hurt you. The phone can get you caught up in gossip and so on and so forth, if you're understanding what I'm saying. So you, you have to understand, though, that social media is extremely affordable. In most cases, it's free. But if you want to go to a next level, they have different packages that you could buy at very minimal cost factors to, to be even more aggressive in getting your message out there, letting the world know that you're in the world of broadcasting. So it, it's, it's very affordable. And bottom line, newsflash, it works. It truly, truly works. The phenomenon behind this is amazing. But it works. It's not going anywhere. But I must give you a word of caution. Just like anything, we mentioned how fast this is. The technology is rapidly changing. What's hot today might not be hot next week. So you have to stay on top of the social changes that are going on if you're going to use the method of social media. I strongly recommend that you use it. You heard me at the introduction of this series, and you'll hear it at the end of it, how you can get in contact with us. Remember when everybody was making a fuss about emails? And man, man, I got an email. I got an email. Then email stepped aside to texting. Texting stepped aside to tweeting. Tweeting stepped aside. Well, face stepped aside to Facebook. Then Facebook stepped aside to tweeting. Tweeting stepped aside to Snapchat. Snapchat, or you could go vice versa. Uh, tweeting stepped aside to Instagram. Instagram stepped aside to Snapchat. You get what I'm saying. It's constantly changing. So you've got to constantly change with the 21st century movement. But it is something that is well worth keeping up with you don't have to get all crazy and elaborate like many people have gotten but you can use it in a sensible manner to get out there and get your message across this will bring us to a conclusion of this segment let us now prepare for our next lesson we're going to talk about bit rates and this is something that probably you're going to scratch your head what is a bit rate why should i even care why should i matter this is a very, very critical part uh, in many areas of how your show is going to sound, how it's going to be received, and how much it's going to cost you. So we're going to go through this real quickly to have you understand the differences in what's what. And we even have some suggested areas that I recommend from my years of experience of what would work, what's acceptable, and what you just need to stay away from. First thing, if, if I were to give you layman terms, the bit rate is like a funnel, if you will. The funnel of sound that goes from your transmission, which is your internet station, 
out to the rest of the world. So just consider it as a type of funnel that releases your programming to your potential listener. Now, of course, there are various ranges. They go as low as 8 kilobytes per second, which is how much is going to be pushed out per second, up to 320 kilobytes per second. I can hear you now. Wow, that is a big range. That's a lot of difference in range levels, and it is. You have to understand and remember that when Internet broadcasting was first introduced uh, toward the end of the 20th century, it was a, a new phenomenon. People had to control it to understand how it was going to work, and a lot of people were dealing with dial-up Internet services then. And, of course, if you remember the days, some of you may not be old enough to remember the days of how long it took just to download a, a very simple uh, two-minute audio message. It would take forever and a day. And let's not even talk about video files. That was almost unheard of. You might, you know, just go to a chalkboard, if you will, and start scratching right away. But... Of course, with technology, everything has evolved. Everything is lightning fast. You got 3G, 4G, and pretty soon it's going to be a 6G or 12G. But with all that development of the technology that we have available to us right now, uh, you still need to understand the power and the significance of bit rates. Now, we've actually <laughs> broken this down into three categories. Let's say that your, your podcast or your station is going to be concentrating on music. And when I say music, you're just pretty much playing your, your own music or whatever music you have, and you're just pumping out music 24-7. And if that be the case, you're going to want to be in bit rate areas that would go from 320, 256, 192, and the least that I would go would be 128. That is if you're going with music. Now, of course, 320 would be your optimum performance. 256 would be your next to optimum. Then you have your 192 and then your 128. Now, remember, these bid rates go as high as 320 all the way down to 8. So what that's going to do, remember, that funnel now is opened up at its apex. So your sound is flowing through and everything is going good and it's sounding good. Okay, and that is if you're going to have a lot of music content. What I call a lot of music content, I'm talking about where you're, you're literally just playing music all day long. Either one of these are going to give your sound a, a professional, clean sound. Now, how... You're putting your spots together. That's going to be the, determined upon your editing and production skills. But these bit rates will help you get that sound that you would be needing to be that consistent sound. Then you have what I call your talk show levels. And, and that's if you're going to be doing a program such as what we do here at the Open Mic Broadcast Network, where we provide talk information and sports broadcasting, sermons of that nature. We do play a little bit of music. But it's not a lot where we focus on these areas that we just told you for the music bit rates, the 320, 256, 192, and 128. Our range is in the following bit rate areas, 96, 64, 48, 32. 96 kilobytes per second, 
64 kilobytes per second, 48 kilobytes per second, 32 kilobytes per second. If you were looking for the optimal sound of a talk radio program or, or just a talk only station, 96 kilobytes per second would be more than enough for good quality sound where you don't lose it. Because what, remember, your focus is just like you're hearing me right now. It is all in voice. It's no music background. So this is going to give you optimal sounds. I don't have to worry about trying to siphon out different sounds of instruments and things of that nature. My voice is my instrument. However, at the Open Mic Broadcast Network, we operate at the 64 kilobytes per second. Why do I do 64 kilobytes per second? Well, 64 kilobytes per second is, is a very good balance for us and what we do and how we do. I failed to mention there's also a 56 kilobytes per second then a 48 kilobytes per second. So you have 96 kilobytes per second, 64 kilobytes per second, 56 kilobytes per second, 48 kilobytes per second, then 32 kilobytes per second would be in your talk range. Now, as I mentioned, we use the 64 kilobytes per second throughout years of trial and error. Yeah, the 128 sounds good, the 320 sounds great, but that's overkill for what we're doing. I really believe that when people tune in for a talk program, they tune in for a sporting event, they want to make sure that it's a clear, solid sound. Yeah, you can listen in stereo, but I think as long as the sound is, is a, a good, high quality, uh, the listeners are going to stay in. They're going to get the information that they came seeking, and everybody is happy. So um, we use 64. 56 would not be a bad. Now, you start getting into a gray area. If you're looking for sound quality, when you get to the 48 and definitely at the 32. Now, once again, these bit rates also will determine how large your files are when you're trying to upload, download these files that you're going to be producing and uh, hopefully sharing with other uh, broadcasters throughout the country. So, once again, that 64 kilobyte per second is a good transfer uh, file size for us. We can get it up and out pretty quick at 64 kilobytes. We start losing, we notice we start losing some quality sound when you got to 48 and 32. You could do it. You could even save money on certain services out there that would offer you at the 32 kilobytes per second. But man, oh man, it's not much difference between price range between 32 and 64, so I would strongly urge that you get into that, that 64, at least 56, and work your way up. Uh, last but not least, you have the 24, 16, and 8. I don't recommend anything for that. Stay away from that because that is truly a 10-can sound, and you don't want to kill your audience and even lose your audience with such lackluster audio quality. I hope this has made sense to you today. I am the radio guy, Dr. Mike Prince. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll see you on the other side. This will bring us to a conclusion of this segment. Let us now prepare for our next lesson. The following segment was recorded over a phone line. This is the radio guy, Dr. Mike Prince, and I have 
uh, a good friend of mine who's also a broadcasting brother by the name of Lee Hall. He is on the G-Line located in Mississippi. Brother Hall, uh, I got you on this call right now. I'm actually doing a sample to show people how powerful and yet how simple it could be to have a quality broadcast going on. Right now, I'm using a standard unidirectional microphone on a mic stand, and I have this plugged into a phone, and I'm using a, a exterior speaker here. It's called the uh, Magic Bullet or the Silver Bullet uh, little speaker as a way of listening to your voice, and I, I want you to uh, give me uh, your honest ranking and rating on the sound quality of the call. I, I, think, I think it's excellent. When I listened to one of your tutorials and one of your infomercials, uh, a segment about the bit rate. And, uh, and as you gave the, the difference in the way they sound, I was wondering what you were using. And I know you also talked about uh, what you need for music, what you need for a talk. And, and, and I was curious about what you sounded like because it sounded so good. I know you talked about 320 being the highest, and the one I was listening to was excellent. I just I didn't know how it could get any better than what you're listening to. So I was well, wondering was gauge from fifty two to three twenty uh what? So that's that's just excellent and it was also good information. Well I appreciate you uh uh sharing those kind words. And just like we try to always show people, uh yes, you could go out and spend a lot of money, a lot of unnecessary money on the biggest and the baddest and the latest whistles, bells and gadgets. But if you really maximize what you have and understand what you're trying to do and your message and your overall uh, uh, goal, if you will, you could really optimize uh, a lot of simple, basic tools that most people are overlooking uh, to get the sound that you want. The beauty behind radio and audio, if you will, and um, I've, um, I kind of coined this deal where I like to, to cheat the system or trick the system because when people hear an audio broadcast, a podcast, or a live uh, Internet broadcast, they're not really concerned about what equipment you use. Broadcasters get caught up in what equipment you use. I've learned that I want to be the most efficient but yet quality-sounding broadcaster that I could be. I can't worry about how the next person is doing it, what they're doing it, and why they're not doing it a certain way. I know what's going to work for me get over what I need because the bottom line is this. If I'm not spending a whole lot of money on bells, whistles, and chimes, then I get to keep that money in my pocket. Mm -hmm. And that's the bottom line. I, uh, people talk about sound, and people think about production, the music. Uh, but when you talk about sound and you emphasize that, you're talking about the overall quality of what's coming out on the other side more so than voice, than just the bells and whistles, as you say, or the production. Let me ask you this here. Uh, when did you discover that that was so important, the sound and the sound quality? When did you discover that? And when did you determine that that was uh, one of the main uh, concerns that a person should have when they're producing in terms of a relationship to the listener? Wow. You know, I would have to go back uh, to my my. I guess my undergraduate days back at Prairie View, when 
uh, with me being a communications major where I got my bachelor's from, I was always um, concerned about the quality versus quantity. Um, you could get a lot of information. You can get a lot of uh, understanding if you can comprehend and understand what is being said. But if it's too loud, too low, if it's so many different distractions, it takes away from the very essence of what you're trying to get across. So I, I learned at an early stage of me uh, being involved in this business that I, I go for quality. A lot of people, uh, they get a mixer, for example, and they think if I open the mixer up as loud as it can go, then uh, that's going to give me a better sound, and that's not necessarily the case. Um, in, in a particular case, you have mixers that have highs, uh, mids, and lows. You have some mixers that are have a high and a low. You have some mixers that don't have any adjustments at all. So then it's going to go on how do I maximize the objects that I have to get the most quality sound. It's going to uh, matter with the type of microphone that you're using, uh, the distance that you have from that microphone, because a lot of people think that if I'm up, uh, eating the microphone, I like to call it, getting all into the microphone, that they're going to hear me better and it's going to give me a more distinct sound. And that is furthest from the truth. Uh, and, and here's another thing that people don't understand. In the particular case of a handheld microphone, if you get too close to the microphone, the saliva that comes off your mouth from speaking gets down there and starts corroding the little uh, uh, microphone internal uh, existence and operating system, if you will, which eventually calls the microphone to malfunction. So uh, understanding those little ins and outs make all the difference in the world on a quality production. I hope that answers your question. It did, it did. Let me ask you, how do you know when you have the proper volume? And you see, we uh, psychologically, and we think that uh, if you get a 10, if it's 10, whatever the gauge of the numbers on it, uh, hey, if I'm at a 10, I'm loud and it must be coming across good. How do you determine what is the right sound for the listeners on the other side, on the other side that's listening to the broadcast? Well, the, the right sound is going to vary from different uh, locations and, and different variables, uh, such as how high is a ceiling, the density of the room, um, what's going on in the particular area that you're broadcasting. So you cannot overemphasize testing testing, and retesting. When I'm uh, going through these theories that we've been helping people out on, um, I made emphasis to them that 80% of what we do is live. And you could go in and get set up for your broadcast, for your show, or whatever you're doing, and you come in and have everything picture perfect because there's no one in the room. There's no crowd back noise, and you got all your levels right. Then as soon as it's time for a kickoff or it's time to do a live production, people have come and filled the room, your whole sound level has changed. That's why you got to test it before, after, and even sometimes fine-tune during. So each location is going to vary on what the sound is. But once you have gotten accustomed to your equipment, you've got accustomed to the quality of sound that you desire as a producer, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those second-nature things that just kicks in, and you know what sounds right and feels right for, you, for your production. This will bring us to a conclusion of this segment. Let us now prepare for our next lesson. The following segment was recorded over a phone line.
All right, this is the radio guy, Dr. Mike Prince, uh, doing another sample with the simple studio sound. This is the Radio Shack mixer with the seven-band EQ. At this particular uh, recording, I have the uh, EQ is actually off. Of the mono switch on instead of stereo, and I have my treble at about 12 o'clock, and my bass is at, let's say, about 1, 2 o'clock on the mic level. My output is at 9 on my master, and I'm at about 7 on the mic itself. I didn't like uh, the recording levels and, and the sound. It seemed like it was fading in and out when I had it on 4, and I'm actually getting a good read from my VU meter, so that's a good indication. Now, as I tried to state before, I give you a quick rundown in the setup of this particular uh, mixer. This is a Radio Shack. It's a discontinued model. It's a three-channel, seven-band uh, mixer. Um, in its heyday, you could purchase this for 99 bucks. Uh, just recently saw this item listed on eBay for 45 bucks. It is an AC-powered device, which means that uh, you do not have the option of running this one off a of battery. It's got some great features to it. You can add other sounds, incorporate sounds, to uh, your show. Uh, the microphone that I'm using right now was actually a mic that came uh, as an accessory for this particular device, but it's an XLR mic. This is a, a unidirectional mic, and you want to always, always make sure that you're using a unidirectional mic, uh, in particular uh, for uh, some privacy moments, if you will, in doing uh, a show such as this nature. Uh, you probably can't even hear in the background that my son is actually gaming on his Xbox One. And um, he is actually in the same room that I'm in right now, but we're still able to get a good sound. Now, if we give the cost and round all of this up for the cost of you to have a studio right in your own home for your shows and for your programming, um, to summarize this, we'll round up the number. We had a listing at 45 bucks on eBay. We're going to say 50 bucks for the mixer itself, another 20 bucks for the microphone. And then the device that I'm using to push this out is a simple technology. It's an iRig. You can uh, find these iRigs all day long. I'm talking about the original iRigs that were uh, first started out. And you're taking advantage. You're using the technology of that iRig to push out through your smartphones, and uh, through uh, your tablets or whatever that you would push your shows through. But this entire setup is for 80 bucks. What you're hearing, everything that's coming out, is under $100. You can't beat that for the versatility that this is going to give you, for the stability that this is going to give you, and for the quality that this is going to give you for a, a great-sounding podcast and an uh, uh, Internet uh, radio show from your own home. I am the radio guy. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at OBN underscore radio. We're on Instagram at OBN radio. Our Facebook page is Open Mic Broadcast Network, O-P-E-N, capital M-I-C, Broadcast Network. And you could visit our website. The website of content will be OBN 
radio.com. You'll go and get a chance to see all the programming that we're doing, uh, some live, some 24 hours a day, and then some pre-recorded and archived. But the choice will be yours. Check us out. Let us know what you think. Until then, be blessed. We'll see you on the other side. This will conclude the Open Mic Academy podcast training here from the Open Mic Broadcast Network. We hope that this information has been informative for you and motivational for you to get started today. If you need any support, have any questions, feel free to reach out to us by way of email at p3talk at gmail.com. The letter P, the number three, talk at gmail.com. We also have a 24-hour dial-in message line that you could leave questions, comments, or concerns by dialing 713-570-6736. Do me this one favor. Don't just sit on this information you just received. Take it, listen to it over and over, take your notes, but more importantly, go out and apply. I am the radio guy, Dr. Mike Prince. You guys be blessed. We'll see you on the other side.